This is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 140th episode of the PJ Archive. It's an interview I did with the immensely popular American actor, comedian, author, executive producer and director Henry Winkler. Henry is enjoying a long and distinguished career due to a wide variety of TV and film roles, but he is forever remembered for playing Arthur Fonzarelli, a.k.a. The Fonz, in the international hit situation comedy Happy Days. This interview took place in 1999, in London, where Henry had come to promote a new stage version of Happy Days, which he was clearly very excited about. How similar is it in feel? It is. Sense? It's exactly similar. It, it, it could have been an episode on, uh, on our show. Mm. You know, uh, this is a great entertainment. Mm. It is fun. It is joyful. It's performed well. The kids in this cast are swell. Do you know what I mean? They are really good. They sing. They dance. They, the, the young man who plays the Fonz has got it. He is the Fonz for the next century. He's got it. I bet everyone wishes you were in it, though, don't they? Yeah, but when they see him, uh, when they see the show, that will go away. Mm. You know, I will then become a fading memory. Now, what's the one big tip you've given him to play your character? I gave him very small tips because he is doing such a great job. We're talking uh, nuance. Uh, one of them is less is more. The, the Fonz did very little to accomplish a lot. Some people are probably surprised you're over here publicizing Happy Days. People probably imagine you'd had enough of it a long time ago. Yeah, but you know what? Here it is. The absolute truth is that he will always be in my life. Yeah. You know, the character will always be a part of my life. And what is stunning, what, what I cannot wrap my brain around, is that in 1999... When we started in 1974, in 1999, people are excited to see me, are so warm to me, are so um, enthusiastic about details of the show. I was sitting in, a, uh, in the lounge of Virgin Airlines in uh, Miami, waiting to get on the plane to come here. There were three couples from Plymouth, and one gentleman was 70 years old. And we talked about his favorite moments on Happy Days. You know, that was the conversation. It was a kick. It's great. Are you only realizing now the extent to which it was so popular? No, no. I, I, I'm, I have known for a while that it was popular and how popular. What is extraordinary to me is the longevity you know? I mean, it's like the Energizer Bunny. It just keeps going. I, I always think, okay, well, I mean, this is the year that uh, I'll walk down the street and I, you know, I will not be able to get into the movie for free. I will not be able to, uh, I will not be stopped. You know, it's over now. And it just never seems to be over. You know, it's, it's really... Um, when you walk down the street, do people always go, A, or whatever? No, you know what? They're, it's different. Uh, some people go, A, some people just get excited, some people get tongue-tied, some people um, say that uh, I'm their biggest fan, you know? You're my biggest fan. 
uh, and of course what they mean is the other way around. Some people uh, just say Henry, Mr. Winkler, and it doesn't matter what they say, because they all say it with warmth. But presumably most of them expect you to still wear the leather jacket and the T-shirt and the jeans and I so on. I don't think so. I don't think that's true. I think that there has been a uh, enough time f- and, and seeing me enough in enough places to know that that was a character I played and I am completely different, you know, and that the jacket is in a museum in Washington, D.C., so I couldn't wear it. Mm. Was there only one jacket that you wore throughout the whole series? No. Uh, the first jacket that I wore for the first 11 shows uh, was stolen from Paramount's wardrobe department. And that was more of a bombardier jacket, you know. And then uh, they made me uh, new ones that they locked up. They had to keep them under lock and key for 11 years. So has the first one ever materialized again? No. I never saw it again, you know. And it really bummed me out, too, because I loved that jacket. Mm. It was really great. But how many did they use in all, then? Did they have about four so they could uh, keep changing them? No, um, we had uh, my jacket and a spare, and then they made a, a third that they didn't put any lining in when I did water skiing and when I was jumping the shark. And I did all the water skiing myself except for jumping the shark. Mm. You say that uh, most people now would realize that you're very different to that character, but before yeah. you played it, were you quite similar when you were a youngster? No. Uh, I went to a private school. Uh, I wore a blue blazer and gray slacks with a, a tie every day. And I was completely lacking in self-confidence, you know. So the character was the perfect one to play because I got to be who I dreamt of being. But that's quite something for a casting director, to cast someone like yourself who you say was very shy and lacking in confidence to play something like that. The only thing there is when I walked in that room... I assume the character right away. And in acting, there is, a, there is a, uh, an idea or a, a, a principle that you make an instant choice. You take one detail about what you've read uh, the character is like and you play it to the hilt uh, while you're auditioning, you know, so that you actually have a point of view about the character. In the s- smallest, slightest detail, but go for it. And I did. Uh, there was another man reading with me. His name was Pasquale. He was reading the other lines. And in my mind, I made the choice. I was going to make him sit down with the lines I had so that I would be the only one standing in the room. So being a character actor, I am able to release myself when I change my voice, when I change my body. You know, all of a sudden, my, the, my mind explodes uh, you know, into possibilities. Mm. Did you have any idea before you took it on that it would be a phenomenon, Happy Days? Yeah. No, as a matter of fact, I wasn't sure I wanted to do a television series altogether. But I figured, you know, I got the job, they asked me to do it, and uh, we were going to do a pilot, and then we didn't know if, if after the pilot we were going to go to series. I had to wait. It was Thanksgiving time in America, so I went back to New York, spent Thanksgiving with my parents, and I got the call in... New York, that yes, uh, we are going to make the show, we are going to do about 13 shows, 12 shows, and come back. Uh, And then, I want to say February 4th or February 14th, around in there, 1974, we went on the air. And it ran until? 
1983. Yeah. But we did two seasons in one year, so it was actually 11 years in, uh, we shot it in 10. And how many episodes altogether was that? 255, and I'm very proud because uh, MASH only did 251, (laughs) you know. Why do you think it was such a success? I think that the characters, all of them, were very appealing. And I think that we were funny. We really concentrated on being funny and making sure we did the best show we could possibly do. Um, I think that there was real family there. And a lot of kids that watched it were latchkey kids. They were home alone. And I spoke to, you know, because of the character I play, I meet almost every child on the planet. Uh, They come up and say hello. Kids in a more unfortunate neighborhood, in the ghetto, uh, you know, in, uh, in the slum, they could not have Mrs. C as their mom because they were so afraid, she was so ditzy, that they were afraid that she wouldn't negotiate the neighborhood, you know? Kids from a, uh, a white-collar uh, neighborhood wanted Mrs. C because she was home because she was, she brought them cookies. Do you know? It was so interesting, but all of them wanted to live in that house, no matter where they came from. What was your favorite episode, and what happened in that episode? You know, I don't have a favorite episode. I love to do what I do, so I just had a brilliant time for all those years, showing up on Monday and shooting the show on a Friday, with that cast you know I was heartbroken when Ron Howard left I got a call on the set at the start I think of the seventh season and he said I just have to tell you before it breaks in the news I'm not coming back and I went oh my goodness Ron how can you do this what year was that well we started in 74 75 76 77 78 I think 79 80 why did it finish when it did oh it was done it was done. I mean, I, I think we had all done everything we could possibly do. And it was really difficult at the end of 11 years to get the same enthusiasm back. And then it's, it, it would be terrible to do it, you know, kind of half-assed. As you explained, the famous jacket is in the Smithsonian Institute, is yes, that right? Yes, um, Do you have any memorabilia or souvenirs yourself, though, of the series? Well, I have the boots that I wore. But I also wore them in The Lords of Flatbush, which was the first movie that I did. I have the jacket that I used for water skiing. I have, we traveled as a baseball team. You know, uh, Gary Marshall, who was one of the main producers and creator, uh, always wanted to have uh, and own a baseball team. So we formed a Happy Days softball team. Like a celebrity tour. Yes. And we toured for the USO, and we toured in Germany for the American troops, and we played with the American troops in Okinawa, in Japan. After the series finished, did you stay friends and stay in contact with the other members of the cast? Yes. Especially with Marion Ross, uh, who played Mrs. C, and uh, Ron Howard. Uh, Marion Ross is just one of the most wonderful women... I ever met. She was the one who I would go to when I had a problem, you know, on the set or anywhere in in my life. 
she was so wise, just so philosophical, you know. So all of them are still with us then at the moment. Oh yeah, yeah. everybody. Whoopsie. And uh, do you have like reunions and things like that and conventions? No. Uh, what we have is birthday parties. And uh, Marion Ross just had her 70th uh, birthday party. And the whole cast came. And we actually, we were all together for the first time in 20 years. Mm. Are they all still in the business and all thriving as actors? Uh, no. Anson Williams is directing. Donnie Most uh, just directed his first film. Ron Howard is one of the great directors in Hollywood. Tom Bosley is touring the country uh, in Showboat playing Captain Andy. Marion is uh, doing plays in television and movies. She was nominated two years ago for an Oscar. And uh, the young lady playing Joni uh, is starting to act again. Hmm. You know, Erin Moran. Hmm. She would like to act again. Do you think everybody in this series would look back and say it was a good thing to do? Absolutely. I think that we all understand that it was... A gift from God, you know, just like a, a tremendous gift that we were able to be part of that show, truly. Because some people in the acting profession would say, oh, yes, but he's so associated with the Fonz that he'll ne he would never get any other work and never yeah, be taken that's seriously. True. That's true. Some people will say that. However, I produce movies. I produce MacGyver and Sightings. I have two shows on the air now. I was in Scream. I'm in the new movie Waterboy with Adam Sandler and Kathy Bates. And when it opened in America in November, it was the 11th largest opening in the history of film. I have two series that I am uh, have in the pipeline now that we are, are trying to, to work um, to, to, to get on TV. One with Warner Brothers and the other with Fine Line. Uh, I'm trying to develop a show where I will go back and do a half an hour comedy. You know. So it doesn't sound like you've been hampered by the reputation at all. It has, it has given me only good things in my life, mm. all around the world. I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you enough that it is extraordinary how I am treated because I played mm. Fonz on TV. Truly. Well, has there ever been any thought, people, I wish people would stop going on about it to me? No, because... Uh, I'm a realist, and the fact of the matter is that it's just going to be there, you know. So he's part of my life, and he's part of my psyche, and we get on very well, you know. You know, he's a very good friend. Yeah. How do you mean by that? Well, uh, my car is never in the repair shop because I've got the funds there to take care of it. What are the more bizarre circumstances where you've been recognized? Say, for instance, if you've gone to Australia and been in a little bar and someone come up and gone, hey. Well, the most remote place was Bora Bora, you know, on this, uh, um, you know, remote island in the South Seas. But what is amazing to me, sincerely amazing to me, is that I'm, I'm recognized so quickly and so easily anywhere and everywhere and always. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It was funny, my, uh, we were in Hawaii and uh, sitting at a table and nobody was paying attention or seemingly so. And my wife thought she was um, being funny and took a cream puff and pushed it in my face. And 
the entire restaurant stood up with an instamatic and took a picture but i mean without missing a beat you know we were in a, a restaurant in uh, rome and nobody you know nobody said hello and uh, nobody was waving no nothing you know like that which usually happens having a great time i get up and every table handed me a mobile phone because their children were studying in Spain or their children were studying in England or their children were home with the nanny. And I literally had 25 phones presented to me and I, I talked to each child, you know. Is it funny seeing yourself dubbed into different languages when you go to foreign hotels and so on? Yeah, but the only thing is that I don't know what they're saying, so I don't know if they're quite getting the, um, the intonation, you know. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Were you from a show-busy background? No, my, my parents were, uh, escaped Nazi Germany. Uh, they uh, landed in New York. Uh, I was born and raised in New York. My mother is still in the same apartment that I was raised in. I have a sister who is four and a half years older than I am. My parents were very, very strict. Uh, I had a very hard time in school. Uh, I'm dyslexic. And uh, so math, spelling, reading, all of them were very difficult for me. So how did you get into acting then? Well, I think that uses a whole other part of the brain. Do you know oh, that? I don't mean how come you, you managed it because you weren't very you know, good at school or whatever, but I mean how did you break through? What, what happened? Did you go to drama school? I went to drama school, but the fact of the matter is that I've wanted to be an actor since I was seven. I mean, I'm telling you that I would have eaten through a building. I would have eaten through brick. I had this dream, this passion to, to be an actor. I, and I, I don't even know where it came from. But all I know was that it started in my toes and shot out my head. There was no doubt that that's what I had to do in this life. Mm. Why do you think that was? What made you think that? I don't have the slightest idea. Who were your heroes when you were a child? Steve McQueen, you know, Olivier, Marlon Brando, and um, Alec Guinness. Right, oh yes, good British actor. Alec Guinness was one of my all-time favorites, and Spencer Tracy. Would you like to have been considered a legendary great actor rather than a comic actor? No. Uh, no, because... Uh, people, I think, uh, today more than ever, need comedy uh, more than they need aspirin. You know, I think that comedy, uh, you, you, we found out that comedy heals. You know, it, uh, people are so beaten outside of their homes. I mean, I just heard yesterday on the news here in Europe that a, uh, a car manufacturer is going to close down a, uh, a plant and 14,000 people will go from working to no work. 14,000 people at a shot. You know, this downsizing of the 90s is, it's um, scary. Mm. You've been married for quite a long time, haven't you? I have been, I've been married for 21 years. Um, we have three kids. My wife is a very powerful woman. She is redhead. She um, is a fellow Scorpio, or a fellow S Scorpio. She an actress as well. No, no, no. She, uh, for the last 20 years, she has worked with uh, children at risk on a local and a national level uh, in Washington and also in L.A. 
How did you meet her then? I met her. She was a publicist in a clothing store that uh, I now was able to buy a jacket in because I was making money being on, on the show. And uh, I held up two jackets to this very beautiful woman. And I said, oh, excuse me, which one do you think I should buy? And, of course, I should have known because she said both. I'm too practical for both. So I bought one, had it altered, and when I went back the next week, she was there again. And uh, so I picked up my jacket and I asked her out for a soda. And then we started dating. And then about uh, a year later, uh, we got married. She had a son who was four, and I was a candle on his birthday cake the year before. So were the family a big Happy Days fans, were they? The family? Uh, My wife came to almost every Friday night uh, and watched the show being shot. Had you been married before? No, I had not been married before. No, and I hope not to be married again. Well, absolutely. Now, tell us about your children, if you would. Max is um, a redhead. Very cool. How old is he? Uh, Fifteen. Right. Uh, Handsome. Funny. Funnier than I am. Quick. Has a temper like you you wouldn't believe. Smart in school. uh, Lazy. Uh, never remembers to make his bed. I have to remind him every day. You would think he would get it once in a while. Um, Zoe is 18. She is sassy. She is fresh. She is filled with life. She is gorgeous and a leader. Mm -hmm. She is gifted with uh, young kids. She wants to be an elementary school teacher, third grade. Uh, second grade. I watch her, you know, she was a counselor during the summer at a, a preschool, and I go and visit her there, and I watch these children use her like a jungle gym. Mm-hmm. They love her, they climb on her, they just, it's just a phenomenal thing to see. So you just have the two children? I have a stepson, Jed, who is now, he came into my life when he was four. Uh, he is now 27. That's your wife's son. That's right. But in my heart, he's mine. Mm -hmm. In my heart, he is my son. Uh, As a matter of fact, when he went to his dad's uh, for the weekend, he would call me to ask if he could have a soda, you know. Are any of your children following you into acting? Uh, I hope not. Right. I hope not. I hope not. I cannot say that emphatically enough. It is too difficult. I, uh, being a, 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 a realist... Uh, I am less than 1% of the, the population of actors, at least in America, that has been able to make a life. Has it been difficult for them growing up as the children of the Fonz? Sometimes, uh, yes. There is no show business in the house. I'm a strict dad, and I'm willing to say the same thing over and over and over again, day after day. You know, it just, that's my job. What do you mean, say the same thing? Uh, would you go do your homework now, please? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Whereabouts is home? Los Angeles, or do you have a place somewhere else as well? No, uh, only Los Angeles. If I had another place, if I had another place, I would, I would like to have it in Montana. I go fly fishing uh, during the summer and uh, to catch trout, and I carry pictures of my trout with me, along with my family. Do you have any other sort of unusual hobbies? 
Uh, I, I like taking photographs. Uh, I take um, photographs of nature and of children. And uh, I have, out of doing it now for eight years, I have maybe 12 photographs that I really like. Do you have your own fan club? No. Uh, no. I mean, an organized fan club? No. No. But uh, when I'm feeling blue, all I have to do is walk down the street, you know, and or come to England. Boy, I'll tell you the way I was treated here this time, it's, uh, it's like a dream, you know. When you were a youngster, did anyone ever tell you you would be a big star? When I was a youngster, people told me I was stupid, lazy, not living up to my potential. When I was a youngster, people told me that uh, I should take over my father's business. When I was a youngster, I was told that uh, it's stupid to uh, try and be an actor. It's too difficult, and they had no idea why my parents would even consider letting me do it. Has that been your drive throughout your career, to prove them wrong? I don't think so. Uh, My drive was not to um, uh, curse them out uh, publicly. How would you... (laughs) Years and years after you've gone, how would you like to be remembered? After I'm gone, uh, that I was a good father. Does it bother you that as an actor you'll always be remembered as the Fonz? Not for one millisecond. If that is what I leave behind, because you see, I cannot tell you, there are vignettes throughout the 25 years that people have told me about what the Fonz has meant to them or the effect the Fonz has had on a member of their family. Uh, or them personally, that if that's how I'm remembered, if that is what I leave behind, I am a very proud man. Thank you very much. Hey, knock yourself out. This is Peter Jonathan Robertson. I hope you've enjoyed my 1999 interview with Henry Winkler. If you'd like to comment on that or any of my other interviews in the PJ archive, you can find me on Twitter at Peter Jonathan R. 2. You are welcome to follow me on there.